thousand years. If he says a day, it means a day. If he says a horse, he means a horse. Amen? If he says, I'm going to seal 12,000 Jewish people from each tribe, that's what he means. If he said there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, that's what he means. If he said like three and a half years of tribulation and three and a half of great tribulation, it's still tribulation. If he says, I won't pour my wrath out on the righteous. Oh, yeah, well, he didn't really mean that one. No, we, we interpret scripture by scripture, and I actually believe what it says. And that's what we're supposed to do. Amen? Okay, that was a free teaching today. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you the, the history. I believe it's super important. I don't, sometimes as I'm doing this, I feel like people are falling asleep because um, I'm not really preaching. But just bear with me. There's a page of history. It's, it's very vital. I've seen it. I think you guys have seen as we go into these letters to see the history. Jesus is using specific things that are pertinent to that time and to that town and to that place and to the people. How many know he still does that today? Yes. So, so we're going to go over that. This is the message to Laodicea. Well, let's, let's read, I'll read the text and then we'll do the history and then it'll probably stand out a little more. Chapter 3 in your book of Revelation, starting in verse 14, the message to Laodicea. He says, and, and he says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, <clears throat> here's the title. He, Jesus always brings a title of himself. This one has quite the handle. He says, the amen, the faithful and true witness, <clears throat> the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I would that you were cold <clears throat> or hot. How many has got allergies? <laughs> so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire <clears throat> that you may become rich and white garments. There it is again. That you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice <clears throat> and opens the door, I will come to him and will dine with him and he with me. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'll tell you what, this is an awesome letter. This is a letter, I don't know if you noticed, is like one other letter in the seven. There's no commendation. 
There's no good letter on the report card. All the other letters to the churches, he will say, these are the things that are, you're doing good. Here's some of the things that you need to work on. Two churches, he didn't give a bad report. Two churches didn't get a good report, not a good word. Laodicea's the second. The first one was Pergamos. He told that church they would go through tribulation. Remember? He told Philadelphia, I will keep you from it. Philadelphia is the church that didn't get a bad grade on the report card. All seven churches are very pertinent and relevant to the whole. That's what seven represents. Amen? So here's the history. Laodicea was located about 90 miles from Ephesus. Remember when we started? Ephesus started on the coastline, kind of makes a big half sea. We're here now. We went from Ephesus all the way around. Now we're about 95 miles east or inward, inland, um, from Ephesus and about 45 miles from Philadelphia. All right? Um, It was steeped in Greek culture. It was originally founded by the... I had to put this in here. Um, It was originally founded by the Ionians in 2000 B.C. (laughs) You can't make this up. I don't normally go back in that much time. I'm going to skip a bunch of history, um, about almost 2,000 years, but I could not resist the Ionians founding. And it was a relatively small town. (laughs) In 250 B.C., so I skip a bunch, it was taken by the Syrians. Antichicus II rebuilt the town and named it after his wife, Laodice. That's where you get the name. In 190 B.C., it became part of the kingdom of Pergamos and ultimately passed on the Roman Empire. So the Romans ended up taking it over, like they did the rest of the world. According to Josephus, there was a large Jewish colony there. The city's economy consisted of merchants, banks, and gold refiners. It was located at at the junctions of roads leading from Ephesus and Smyrna. Great wealth flowed through Laodicea. When destroyed by an earthquake in 62 A.D., It was rebuilt by its wealthy citizens with no help from Rome. They remained neutral in political affairs, and because they were not positioned to be defended militarily, they learned the art of compromise. Isn't that interesting? They never took a stand on anything. They just would... How's that? Okay, you're not too happy with that? We'll just bend a little bit here. Oh, you guys like that? Okay, we're a little bit over there. Like, we can't really defend ourselves, so we're just going to be cool with however great. Because we like the things we have. They were very self-sufficient. Did you pick up on that? All the other towns, when they got destroyed, Rome helped them, and then they would try to rename them. Laodicea is like, just go ahead and stay out of this. We got this. Very self-sufficient. I'm just going to make a note here. Um, you can take the seven churches and lay them out prophetically on a timeline, too. This is the last of the seven churches. You hearing any, any resemblances? Yeah. When you study Revelation... It is the most, I, oh, I wish people would have just, like, not ever told me, like, you really shouldn't get into it. 
oh my gosh, it's the most amazing, I love it. God is so awesome. If you want to see the most ridiculous extraterrestrial God going into his word and into his people and into his time and like streamlining and putting themes over and over that you cannot miss, really study the book of Revelation. You're going to see God's hand intertwined from Genesis all the way through. It is, it is an awesome journey. And a journey it is. All right, Laodicea had a lucrative, or where did I leave off? Oh, I did, I'm jumping ahead. They remained neutral in political affairs, and because they were not positioned to be defended militarily, they learned the art of compromise. The city was known for high society, success in commercial and financial sectors, with remains of theaters, aqueducts, baths, gymnasiums, stadiums, still survived to tell for its former luxury. Laodicea had a lucrative textile industry. It was known for their quality of black wool products that came from a particular breed of black sheep that they bred that produced the cloth and carpets they manufactured. They also were known for a famous school of medicine where they produced a medicinal ointment that was a mixture of oil and calorum powder. The one weakness was their water supply. Water had to be piped in from other places. Cold water was sent from Coloss, but by the time it traveled the 10 miles, it was lukewarm. Six miles away in Herapolis, there were the hot springs, but by the time it got there, it was lukewarm too. The church was possibly founded by Epaphras. We see that in Colossians chapter 4, verses 12 through 14. And in that section, Paul addresses a letter to them, which may have been the circular letter, which has been presented as the epistle to the Ephesians. <clears throat> so Paul, in this book of Colossians, Coloss and, and um, Laodicea were very close together. They would, when, when Paul wrote the letter to the Colossians, he says in the letter, now give it to Laodicea too. So there's things that Paul, and, and as we get into this, it's so stinking awesome. There's things that in, in Jesus' letter to Laodicea and also in Paul's letter to Laodicea or Coloss, he's saying things to Laodicea and they are similar. In the title, as we'll get into he says the, the one from the beginning of the creation. You read the book of Colossians and you see Paul saying that there is this God who was not made by human hands. There's this God that created all. Everything was created through him and nothing without, without him. Like he's speaking of who God is that way. And Jesus is identifying himself that way to Laodicea. It is so cool. You see these things all throughout as you study Revelation. It's just, you have to, you, I mean, are you guys getting like, as all that's been going through and picking up on those things? Yeah. Okay, cool. It is so awesome. Um, Paul did instruct his letter to Colossians to share it with the Laodiceans, and some scholars believe Paul's first letter to Timothy was written from Laodicea. So this was a very um, active place. There was a lot of Jewish people there. There was a lot of Christians. Um, it, was, it, was on, it was in the know, you know, in the church circles. You know how that goes? <laughs> But how many know just because a church is in the know with men doesn't mean God's happy with it. It's very well known. Very prosperous. In this day and age, it would be one of the best, best churches there is because we measure churches by success and money. Not necessarily how God measures them. Amen? You see on the report cards that a lot of the churches, and I believe um, ones that really thought they probably weren't doing too spiffy, 
They're the ones that they got like A's on the report card. The ones who thought they had it all together. Jesus is like, I wish I could say something good about you. Just let the Holy Spirit sink that one in. The name Laodicean means the rights of the people, the rule of the people. Then in their name, the right and rule of the people. Who's supposed to be the rule of the people? Self-sufficient. Self. When self is a big part, God's not a big part. He don't share his throne. Not on this place. He says, you're going to serve me. Now, if you are victorious, then I will share my throne with you. Amen? You fight the good fight. You finish the course. You keep your faith. You hear, well done, thou good and faithful service. Enter in. But until that day, there's one person on the throne, and it ain't us. Amen? If we're sitting on the throne, he's not in our life, and we're in trouble. Make no mistake about it. <clears throat> the rights and rule of the people. Christ was not ruling this church. <coughs> Excuse me. There was no commendations given in this letter. All right, we got a half hour. We might make it through. My first point, we're going to start in the title. This title is is quite the title. Jesus says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. So we're not going to just run over it. What's the amen? The amen. The amen is a Hebrew root word. That means firm, certainty, the assurance of faith, truly. You say right off the bat, the amen says, the one who's firm, immovable. This is what I'm saying. The one who's certain. I'm very certain of what I'm saying. The one that has an assurance of faith. I'm sure of what I'm saying. The true one. Yeah, it's coming. When, when you, now, this is so cool. When you go and you look, okay, now where is that? Like that title, it's somewhere else in Scripture. Isaiah chapter 65. You get to the end of Isaiah. And a lot of your Bibles are going to have the word, will be blessed by the God of truth. It should say, the God of amen. That is, that is the word. It wasn't truth. It was the God of a man. Now, what really gets me going is as you get into this, this passage of Isaiah, God is speaking through Isaiah and literally telling him at this point, I'm going to build a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. This is the title that he uses. Also in this title that Jesus uses, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. You following me? The beginning of the creation, like I'm the source of creation. In Isaiah 65, going into the last chapter, he's like, the amen says, which we're going to read, and oh yeah, I'm the creation, I'm the source of creation that he's using here. I'm going to build a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. He's foretelling that. 
telling history before it happens. You know what I can guarantee God's going to do? He's going to build a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem. We don't have to allegorize that or trivialize that. or Well, that's just a thing. He's, no, it's going to happen. Amen? Amen. So when I, and I, I wish we could take the time. I'd read the whole chapter, actually 65 and 66. We don't. <clears throat> but it, let's just get in there. Isaiah 65, 16 says, Because the one who is blessed on the earth will be blessed by the God of Amen. And the one who swears an oath on the earth will swear by the God of Amen. Because the former troubles are forgotten, and because they are hidden from my sight. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Who does? The God of Amen. Former things will not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. And it goes on in that chapter and says that there will be no more weeping. There will be no more crying. You remember this passage of scripture. He goes on to say that, that no long will there be children born stillbirth. Or there won't be people dying at an early age. No longer will that happen. No longer will the, will the wolf want to kill the sheep. They will stride together. The lion will lay down and eat grass like a lamb. This is what Isaiah is prophesying. This is the God of the Amen. This is the title that is coming to the church of Laodicea. The last letter of the last church. Right before this new, come on. You think there's a God outside of this time frame in this universe that uses 40-something different people over a 4,000-period time frame to write? I mean, the odds are out of this world. Christians, believers, you have no good reason to not be confident. Confident in your faith. Confident in the Word of God, the, the truth of the Word. Confident that what God says he means and he means what he says. He's the God of the amen. Come on. Jesus, he's saying this. Jesus is the revelation of all this means. He's the revelation of all of it. As the amen, he guarantees the truth of God's promises. As the amen, I'm guaranteeing my promises. These promises that were still available to those in Laodicea. And promises that are still available to us. The God of the Amen says. Has he got your attention? He goes on. The faithful and true witness. We're only going to get the title. <laughs> but there's a lot there. Jesus is always the faithful and true witness. Because he's the God of the Amen. He's firm, steadfast, assured of his faith. His name is faithful and true. Amen. Jesus is the faithful and true witness. Well, if he's a witness, what's he bear witness to? I'm glad you asked. He bears witness to the Father. He bears witness to the truth of the gospel. And to his own nature as the unique son of God. Like, we just heard this. I was watching some stuff um, yesterday. And one of the gentlemen was saying... Um, the title, like in, in the only begotten son, like that doesn't do any justice 
Like, really, the unique son is, is the best. There is only one Jesus. Yeah. Like, yes, he put on flesh, but there's only, there's only one person that was God, like, that created the heavens and the earth, the creator of everything, and then brought himself into the seed of man. This huge, massive God restricted to the seed of God, impregnated into a virgin. And God became flesh and dwelt among us. This one that testifies of the Father, that testifies of the gospel, of the good news, that testifies of himself, the faithful and true witness. He will always be true to his word. He will always be true to his word. He is faithful and will never be unfaithful. You'll hear me say, if he said it, you can cash the check. He's the faithful and true witness. If he says it, take it to the bank. If he says, like, I'm going to bless you. Every promise I have is yes and amen. It's yes and amen. Cash the check. Invest in it. If he says, like, I'm going to send fire down from heaven, you better clear a path. If he says, I'm going to part the seas, get ready to walk on dry ground. He is the faithful and true witness. Somehow, shape, or form, the church has forgot that. He is not a man that he can lie. He's the amen. The faithful and true witness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, this is another one. I wish I could go some few verses ahead and a few more verses. I encourage you to go home and, and read. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Paul says... But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, by me, and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but has been yes in him. Has been yes in him. For as many as the promises of God are, in him they are yes. Therefore, through him also is our amen to the glory of God through us. So he's saying, God, you are so faithful. Your promises are yes. And through you and through even in us, we say amen. Amen. We establish ourselves in you as amen. Church, we establish ourselves in every one of his promises as he says, amen. He is the amen. We establish ourselves in his faithfulness and his promises as I stand firm in it. I'm unmoved in your promises, God. Truly, I'm in these promises. I say, amen. Remember last, it was the wavering back and forth in it. No, amen. I don't care what it looks like outside. I don't care what the culture's doing. I don't care how cold it is or how dark it is. You're faithful. You're the God of the amen. You're the faithful and true one. 
And every one of your promises, I position myself in the amen. Come on. This is one of the earliest scriptures I came across when I first got saved. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. I'm reading this, this one in the New Living Translation. It says, if we die with him, we will also live with him. Follow the pattern that happens here. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. Now watch what happens. If we are unfaithful, what it should say is then he will be unfaithful. No. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny who he is. He's the amen. He's the faithful and true one. He goes through like, if we die with him, you'll also live with me. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If you deny him, he will deny you. If you are unfaithful, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is and what he is. You've heard me say this, and this is what it's from. My faithfulness is not dependent on his. His faithfulness is not dependent on mine. It don't matter if I'm unfaithful. He's faithful. God is love. You can't change that. God is faithful. You can't change it. Nothing will change it. He's also, (laughs) I mean, what isn't he? He's also the beginning of creation. The beginning of creation of God says, what is that? He's, all, he's also, besides being the amen and the faithful one, he's also the beginning, the origin, the first cause and rule of God's creation. Dude, when the Lord is telling you, like, brings this title He ain't wrong. Like, there is no room for, like, I don't know if he's right on this. The amen, the faithful and true one, the very source of creation says, like, I haven't missed anything. I've been from beginning to end. There's no big, like, I am the beginning. So what I'm about to lay down, you better pick it up. The uncreated one. I love like atheism's the simplest thing to, to like. It's the, it, I mean you got to have so much faith. And I'm just going to say that nicely, because I think you got to be really. It starts with an S. Well, the Bible says the fool says there is no God, so you got to be a fool. You got to have a crazy amount of faith to believe in atheism. Because if you're an atheist, you believe that nothing created something. Instead of believing the creator created. Well, who created the creator? Nobody, otherwise they would be the creator. That's not complicated. Like, he's the source. There is no, crea- there is no beginning in him, no end in him, because he's the source. He is the creator. 
Yeah, that guy. Christ was not created. He always was. He always is. And he always will be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is one heck of an amen. Like, how do you get more solid than that? Like, how do we not trust him? I'm so glad, like, he is so wise not to give me too much power. Because I'd smoked myself. Like, you're stupid. Poof. He's the mediator of God's creation. All things were created through him, and apart from him, nothing was made. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I love John. He starts off his book. He goes like, let me, let me, I'm going to go old school on you. He's like, I'm going to start off my, my letter like Genesis, in the beginning. I mean, that is like, John's the man. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I mean, he knows we're dumb. I mean, when you hear he's like making this like, let me just so you're very clear. In the beginning was the word. Right here. That's why he calls us little children. Right. He's like, I need to talk to you like a little child because I know like you're not too sharp. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. Right? That's little kid talk. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. You got to be in some darkness to not grasp this. This also gives a little picture of what we're supposed to be. Remember last week, we were to seek and save that which is lost, right? We're to destroy the works of darkness. We're to shine. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. We're to shine. What's my purpose, Pastor? Shine. Shine. Let your light shine before men, that they will see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father. Shine. Shine. It doesn't matter if it gets dark. It's a good thing. If you want to shine. If you want God's glory to be on a pedestal so that all can see. Let everything else that's not really true light get dark. Everything else that's pretending to be light, let it get dark. 
You think God knows what he's doing? And the church, we're so out of, we're like freaked out. Oh no, it's getting so dark, just hurry up and come. We think it's about us. It ain't about us, it's about the lost. It's about those who don't have the light. It shows how selfish we are when we're willing for all those who are lost to go to hell and just hurry up and come get me out of here. Is that what the early church looked like? When persecution came to them? Paul didn't even... Peter didn't. Peter didn't pray when he was... When he was praying, well, Paul didn't pray in his letters when he's in jail. Paul didn't say, like, you guys pray and do the Peter thing. Bail me out. No, he just told Timothy, Timothy, stay faithful. Follow me as I follow Christ. Let your light shine, Timothy. Timothy, let your light shine. Church, let your light shine. Darkness shouldn't change that. Tough times shouldn't change it. John chapter 1, we're going to skip five verses. Verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Can you imagine? He came into the very world he created, the this God that is everywhere, that I just said came down into that. And the world did not recognize even the religious leaders. Well, some of them did recognize it. They just chose to and decided to, if I recognize that and say that is true, then all this is going to change. And my system's going to change. And it's very similar to, I believe, what's coming when Jesus is outside. This world system, the church system, we're rich. Jesus said, are you? What are you? What are you full of? You full of the spirit? if you're full of the spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh but the lust of the flesh are the standard for the American church it's not in the book of Acts it's not to the church around the world it's not to the majority of our brothers and sisters that are suffering being persecuted what for their faith their trust, their belief in the amen, the faithful and true one, the source of creation. And the world around them is not recognizing it. But the world around us for the last hundred years has been not bothered by us a bit. Because we've been like the Laodiceans that, well, I don't really want to rock the boat. Well, you know, that's not too big of a deal. We'll give a little. We'll take a little. You know, I mean, we're really not supposed to fight. 
You know, we need to have Jesus, and we need to just be loving. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this, but for such a time as this, God's raised up people like myself. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not doing this. I'm just stating fact. Like, we don't need a church full of me. I don't need to be married to me. Oh, my Lord. I can't even imagine. We'd be fighting all the time. But I'm married to peace. But you know what? When it's wartime, she needs me. And it's wartime. We're not going to just say, well, I don't want to fight. It's time. Like, and thank God, like some of us other ones, God has raised up. There's a fight. Like, you see something, and rather than go like, oh, I don't know what we should do, you're running at it. Like, what? No, that ain't happening. Now, thank God, there's some peace that's also in this body. Because it's not always time to, to run after something and kill it. So I'm not going to get mad at those who aren't like, yeah, let's go. But also don't get mad at those who see the enemy and are done hearing the chant and the, and the getting stole from. Because you need us. It don't look like kumbaya. No, it's time to get bloody. And none of us really like that picture or how it sounds. I had someone tell me the other day, like, I just don't understand when you talk like that. <laughs> like, and I don't think a lot of people do. Well, that's, that's okay because maybe that's not what God's calling you to do. But you're going to be okay with it when it's your freedom. When your family are free. When your loved ones aren't possessed anymore. When there's a, a presence in this church and it's not something contrary to the Holy Ghost. Come on. You're going to be okay with it then. And you know what? I'm going to be okay when there's some peace-loving people that can come alongside of me and say, Pastor Steve, that was an awesome battle. Thank God for that. Let's enjoy some rest. Take a break. You can rest a little bit. And I'm going to say, okay, that's awesome. But guess what? If I see that enemy coming, break's over. Boys, girls, let's put the boots on. Get that sword out. And I'm going to be on you that it is not time. To, it's like love boat time. This is training time. This is sharpening your sword time. This is making sure, like, go ahead and go to bed, but leave your armor on. Because you don't know what you might have to get up and deal with. You can rest, but don't take off your armor. Like, you need me. And I need you. Like, we can't all just be, like, on go time all the time. Amen? He's the one <laughs> whom all things begun, and he will bring things to its final completion. Amen. Come on. He's the one in whom all things begun, and he's also the one who says, I'm also the one, the amen, the God of the amen, who will build that new heaven and that new earth. I will bring all this into its completion. We can trust this God who has said what he's going to do and performed it 
thousands of years in advance, over and over and over and over. He's not all of a sudden going to get to the end of the book and go, ah, I changed my mind. You're all on your own. I'm going to go against who I've been this whole time. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to punish those who are faithful. Just because. No, he's the amen. He's the faithful and true one. Come on. He's going to see it through to the end, to its final completion. He is, I heard somewhere him say, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And the, Omega. the beginning and the end. There is no beginning or end in me. I'm all of it. There's only one that can say that. That's the title he's bringing. Here's what I know. Often what we think the state of affairs are and what he knows they are are two separate things. You hearing me, church? Often what we think the state of affairs are and what he knows they are are two separate things. That's where some prophets got in trouble. Right? And I'm not, I'm not picking on prophets. I'm really not. We're having a prophecy course. Like, I'm for prophecy. I'm all for it. But we got to be able to say when we miss it, we missed it. There's one amen. I'm not him. That's not my title. My title is Steve. Human. Created. With a beginning and an end. Because of him, there's really no end anymore. But there was a beginning. I am not the amen. I am not the faithful and true. I am not the uncreated one that created everything. I'm a son that he loves, that he has given authority and power to, just like you. But I will say, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And I will say, if any area in my life, on any given day, just like you, that isn't 100% following Christ, then don't follow me in that. I just may have a booger-eating attitude that day. I just woke up wrong. Now, those shouldn't be too far and too many as I grow in the Lord. But guess what? Like, if that's your day, I'm not going to follow you in that. That doesn't mean I'm like, that guy's a false prophet. I ain't following him. It just means like, I'm not going to follow you in that attitude today. But everything else, I'm following you. But there's one, <laughs> there's one we can follow. Yes. All the time. Yes. That's why, don't get your eyes on man. Man will fail you. I will fail you. Get your eyes on him. Yes. When you're getting frustrated by people and you're getting frustrated by what's going on, it's because your eyes aren't on him. It's what happens in my life. When I get my eyes off of him and his call and his purpose and what he's saying and his faithfulness and his truth and his steadfast obedience and the, and the fact that he's got the whole world in his hands and we're, we're going to be okay. When I get off that place, fear comes in, stress comes in, anxiety comes in, just like any other human being. But there's none of that in him. And he's in me, the hope of glory. Often what we think the state of affairs are and what he knows they are are two separate things. I had someone bless me yesterday. They called me 
um, said they saw us somewhere and, and uh, just wanted to say they were watching me worship and said it really blessed them. That was such a beautiful encouragement. That's a beautiful encouragement. But as we were talking, they got a little discouraged in the things going on in the world. And I had to say, hey, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We serve a big God. He hasn't left us. He's not surprised by nothing going on. And I actually believe he's the one shaking it. We're okay. It might not look like it's always been, which is a good thing. I don't know if you're aware, but the, the, the whole system needs to be shook. When we think we're okay, like this church of Laodicea, and we're not, because we're measuring ourselves by ourselves, and, well, I have a good bank account, so everything's good. Well, where's the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Where's the peace? Where's the joy? Where's the power? Where's the anointing? Because if that's not all there in, like, stacks of money in abundance, then that stuff don't matter. Like your temporary conceived safety was never supposed to be there. My Bible read that it's like foolish for the man who had a bunch of stuff and said, you know, I think I'm going to build some bigger barns so I can store some more. So then I can kick back and be prosperous. He says, you fool. Did you not know this very hour, this day, your life is being required from you? Did Jesus not say like, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So don't worry about stacking up all this stuff, because guess what? It could be wiped out in a minute. You don't see hearses pulling jet boats and motorcycles and, and travel trailers, and you ain't taking none of it with you. But he says, look at the birds. They're not worried about none of this stuff, but I take care of them. How much more do I love you? He's the Amen the faithful and the true one. Are you rich in that? Are you rich in faith? Are you rich in your belief of him that you could say, I'm selling everything because he told me to, and I'm going on this journey. And if he'll take care of a bird, by God, he'll take care of me. I don't have to dig a bunker and fill it full of 12,000 years of food. I, I read in my Bible where ravens came and fed Elijah. I just read in my Bible yesterday that even when the people were complaining and grumbling, God brought manna to them. He brought quail to them. He brought water from a rock to them. He's the amen, the faithful and the true one. So I don't need to build a bunker. And you know what? If I get snuffed out early, praise God. I'm sorry, babe. I mean, I'm not looking for it, but I kind of am. Like, it's not a bad day for me. Amen? amen? The amen. The faithful, the true one. The very source of creation is saying, come on. I think he's really wanting us to understand something by the title. Let's not be like the Laodicean church that has completely missed it. Yeah. 
Amen? Like, this is a time that you do some evaluation checks, some system checks. What is my hope on? Like, and you can say, well, I don't know what that means, Pastor. What is, what is your thoughts on? I'll tell you where your heart is. What are you thinking about the most? What are you worrying about? You want to know what your idol looks like? Oops. If we're worried and consumed in fear over something, that thing's bigger than God is, and it's an idol. And God don't like them. Anything that would steal, kill, or destroy our faith and unbelief in him is a lie, and it's from the pit. And if your theology or doctrine would do that, you got a wrong one. That's pretty simple. You hear me? If your theology, what, that, what, what's theology? What you think about God. Because A.W. Tozer said this, and I never forgot it. Whatever you think about, when you think about God, is the most important thing about you. What do you think about when you think about God? Do you think like, oh, man, we're in trouble? Or you think about, whoo, we're good. We're good. When I think about God, we're good. I used to think like, big hammer. Just being real, I used to think like, uh uh-oh. He's going to drop that hammer. Watch out. When I think about God now, that we're good. Isn't that what he wants us? Children. Daddy. Daddy's here. We're good. Amen? Amen. Well, let me pray over you. I can dismiss you. Please come back and hang out, eat some cake. I think we got plenty. <laughs> uh, first service, guys, you could actually eat something and then have dessert. The second service has to eat their dessert first. They're spoiled. Lord, we don't want to be spoiled. Lord, I thank you for the blessings that we have as Americans. I pray that, Lord, we put all those things in the right perspective, in the right place. Lord, that if you shake them and we don't have some of those things, in the future we won't even care. Lord, I pray, actually, I want whatever it is that keeps us from putting our faith and our trust in you to be gone. I know what we need going forward, and it is a strong faith and a trust in you with all of our heart. We don't need a bunch of fancy things. We don't need um, a bunch of production. And I thank God for these lights. They're awesome. And Lord, as long as they're glorifying you and they're bringing you honor, we love them. But at any point, any of the things we're doing is taking our focus off of you. I don't want it. We don't want it. In our lives, be glorified, God. We want to shine before you like you shined in the darkness. And Lord, I pray that this world will recognize the light. I believe you are opening up a door that the darkness will comprehend the light. We'd call that revival. I pray for revival in us. Revive us. Lord, shake us and break us for what breaks your heart. Ruin us for this world, Lord. 
as you were ruined for this world. He said, this, this world has nothing for me. You came to do the will and work of your Father. I pray, Lord, that we would do the will and work of our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. We pray that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, give us today every single thing that we need. Forgive us, Lord, of our trespasses. Lord, as we forgive others who have sinned against us. Lord, we will not even begin to mess with your power, your glory. <coughs> we will recognize it's all from you. You are the source of all of it. We thank you for being in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You're dismissed. Don't forget next week, we have some prophetic training Saturday. Then we'll have Easter. Amen? Amen. Amen.